This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. That's me. This is me. Who knows the jerky boys when he calls up the piano, the piano tuning guy. Eric, is Eric there? This is me. Uh, hello. So it's September 12th, 2022, the day after 9-11. I heard more about January 6th yesterday than September 11th. It's crazy. It's insulting. It's deliberate. It's political. But there was more discussion yesterday about January 6th than September 11, 2001. In fact, the New York Times, the paper I grew up on at one point, yes, it was. It was a great newspaper with great men, mostly, by the way, and a few women. It was a, an amazing institution. And now they are totally and thoroughly corrupt. Big, 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 big uh, expose on Jewish schools uh, misspending money or something like that. Yes, Jewish schools. It was the, they, they chose 9-11 as the big takedown of uh, private Jewish schools allegedly not spending their money well. Wow. And it was a huge story. It was like it took up half the paper. Huh? September, I know it's 21 years, not 20, not 25 years, not 10 years, but still, maybe a little mention, just a little one, you know? For more details, see page C-17 as to what's going to happen today, you know, the memorials, who's going where, what happened. This is the same paper that did those beautiful tributes to everybody who was lost. You know, you can't do 3,000 obituaries, full-fledged obituaries. You can't do it. But they had those little vignettes, portraits of grief, I think they called it. And it was it was wonderful. And now... January 6th. More on January 6th and September 11th, 2001. Wow, huh? Is that kind of, kind of, how does that make you feel? It is deliberate, by the way. You know, they're gearing up for another season of January 6th hearings, everybody. Anyway, look, they got to do something before the midterms, okay? They're trying, they're desperate. And they're trying to discourage us, but uh, it's not going to work. And, oh, by the way, I am uh, coming clean with you all. I told you many, many times, you got to raise money. you got to give money to Lee Zeldin. I am, before I am anything, I am a, 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 a New Yorker, a citizen, a person. Before I'm a broadcaster, before I'm this, before I'm that, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a resident. I own property here. I got to see my city and state safe, don't you? Obviously. So I've been in urging folks to um, give money, uh, small donations, because small donations are better than the big donations, whatever. It shows breadth of support. Uh, whatever you got, we got to give it to Lee Zeldin, okay? And I'm doing it. You know, before, I, I always had to point out the disclaimer. Uh, I 
technically am not supposed to. I looked it up. I can technically do whatever the hell I want with my money. All right? It's Yes, at one point it was frowned upon. Everybody knows who I'm voting for. I'm not, I will say this. I'm not officially endorsing anybody, but damn it, I am putting my money where my mouth is regarding some of these candidates and this, uh, this election season. Uh, most people don't give money. I only gave once in my entire life, all right, to a political candidate. It's that time. It's red alert time, all right? Lee Zeldin is showing he can do this thing. He can do it. I, I kind of thought he could do it all along, but now it's like, okay, now that he, he can do it, <laughs> they're getting more and more nervous. And there's a huge story, by the way, that this should this should be a fatal blow to any candidacy. Kathy Hochul took big, big, big money from some COVID testing firm, and they got the contract to do the tests, even though they're more expensive, even though they're more complicated, maybe not even as reliable. Personal donations to Kathy Hochul. This is how she does it. She's just a small-time pal from, where is it again, Binghamton, Buffalo? Somewhere way the hell up there. She has no business, none, being governor of this state, waving to everybody like she's the Queen of England. Give me a break. Oh, and by the way, the Queen of England. What a lady. What a lady. Now, I admit that the coverage is off the charts uh, ridiculous, all right? I mean, enough is enough is enough. Especially because they're missing the mark. They're missing the point. I don't want to know where her coffin is going from Edinburgh Castle to this castle, then back to that castle via train, and then a royal plane will take her and this. They're just all consumed with the logistics, with the part that's really not important. Hey, did you see that Megan showed up again? Uh, Hey, where there's cameras, there's Megan, but whatever. I want there to be peace and harmony in every family, even that, especially that family. But back to the queen, the queen herself. And this was, I kind of knew it. I heard about it from time to time. How I know about it chiefly is I watched that uh, miniseries, The Crown. And in The Crown, which is based on, loosely based on fact, um, the queen meets with Billy Graham a lot. And it's like deeply moved by Billy Graham. Now, Billy Graham was like the Joel Osteen of his day. And... Even more so. I mean, everybody. He was world famous and an amazing ambassador for Christ. And I did notice, I kind of was curious if the Billy Graham people, you know, that's all run by Franklin Graham, and they put out you know, this statement, that statement. They loved her so much. And they were the ones who pointed out to me that she was not afraid to speak boldly about Christ. She did it. She did it publicly. You know, so many folks out there... Christians just kind of keep their mouths shut because, oh, we don't want to offend anybody. It's not offensive. It's not offensive to share your faith. You're not forcing it on anyone. Actually, uh, the queen just talked about what it did in her life and what role it played in her life. And you know what? Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I have just this renewed appreciation for her. I, did I think that much? I, she was never on my mind. But now we can go back and review the entire record. And let's see, where is this stuff that I had you guys pull about the Queen? Ah, here she is. This is Christmas 2015, cut 52. For his family's tree, he chose an angel, helping to remind us that the focus of the Christmas story is on one particular family. For Joseph and Mary, the circumstances of Jesus' birth in a stable were far from ideal. But worse was to come as the family was forced to flee the country. 
It is no surprise that such a human story still captures our imagination and continues to inspire all of us who are Christians the world over. Despite being displaced and persecuted throughout his short life, Christ's unchanging message was not one of revenge or violence, but simply that we should love one another. Although it is not an easy message to follow, we shouldn't be discouraged. Rather, it inspires us to try harder, to be thankful for the people who bring love and happiness into our own lives, and to look for ways of spreading that love to others whenever and wherever we can. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that nice? The queen, the queen speaking like that. Who speaks like that? Very few people, very few, because they're afraid. They are afraid. And she wasn't. Now, I will have to say, you know, queen, one small point here. And you know what? This is why some people don't speak out about their Christianity, because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. So she didn't say the wrong thing. I may not have said it the same way or whatever, but that's fine. Okay. She did her part, and she didn't just do it once. She did it all the time. Here's another message back. This is just last year, cut 53. They teach us all a lesson, just as the Christmas story does, that in the birth of a child, there is a new dawn with endless potential. It is this simplicity of the Christmas story that makes it so universally appealing. Simple happenings that form the starting point of the life of Jesus, a man whose teachings have been handed down from generation to generation and have been the bedrock of my faith. His birth marked a new beginning. As the carol says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Very, very beautiful, very strong. And it was a big part of her life, obviously, the biggest part. Never, Nobody ever really talked about it. I understand that there was some eye-rolling about it. And then I've seen some reports, well, who is she to talk? I mean, look at uh, look at her son, Andrew. Look at this. Look at, uh, oh, uh, Prince Philip once made an unkind remark about so-and-so. Come on. It doesn't work that way, by the way. It doesn't. You can be an example, but your own children may or may not live up to it. You know, you can, you do your best, but... Ultimately, it's between each individual and God and Jesus. I do believe that. So uh, good luck to the Royals. But you know what? Boy, oh, boy, she was fantastic. Just hearing that now. By the way, why wasn't I told this a long time ago? I know know she was. uh, That's on me. I guess I wasn't paying as much attention. But I think it's partly why she had such a long life. And all the drama you know, that engulfed at times her family, she was the one pretty much on the straight and narrow, right? You know, Charles got in this uh, trouble, Andrew's in that trouble, uh, the sons are always fighting, this, that, and the other thing. I don't hear them. I wonder where the where faith figures in their life. Not judging anybody, not doing that, but it does show you, and also the queen, the head of state of all of England has everything, fame, fortune, a string of Pelopines, you name it, she's got it. But the most important thing, her faith. I just think that's 
That's fabulous. And what an inspiration, really. And uh, all right. Now, she said we have to spread love. I totally agree with that. And remember my policy. I love everybody, but I don't have to like everybody. Hey, speaking of these guys. All right. Charles is now overexposed. He's making yet another speech. I saw him live yesterday. He's live today. Can we take can I just listen to this for a moment? Charles is addressing the Scottish Parliament. He talked to the British Parliament yesterday. Now it's the Scottish Parliament's turn. Hey, I went to Apple, the Apple Store, because I wanted to see the iPhone 14. A couple of things. It's the Apple Store is losing it. The Apple Store used to be this amazing experience. You walk in and, yes, may I help you? And, oh, right here. First of all, I went in there yesterday. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to buy an iPad. And I wanted to buy the biggest, strongest, fastest iPad they had. They looked at me. They treated me like I wanted to return an iPod from 2003. They just had no time, no interest. Everybody was aloof and borderline rude. I met one guy at a store about three months ago. He was the coolest dude in the world. I went to that store, and I couldn't find him, so I went to the other store, and man, oh, man, oh, man, they've lost it. Hey, can we hear the uh, – all right. Oh, King Charles. It's King Charles. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Your Majesty. Oh, shoot. We just missed it. I know. Close. Oh, well. Uh, by the way, how many people are in the Scottish Parliament? I've never seen the Scottish Parliament before. You know what it looks like? It looks like uh, – it looks like a fourth grader's classroom. Look at those desks that they have. There's something weird about it. Something. Oh, maybe we could just hear the bagpipes. That's enough with the bagpipes. We actually have plenty of bagpipes here in New York. We got the New York City uh, Police Department, the firefighters. They've got the greatest bagpipe bagpipe bands around. Um, let's see what else is going on here. Ooh, Karen Bass. The she is a member of Congress. She's running for mayor. She's a Democrat. Joe Biden almost made her vice president. Did you hear? She was robbed. And they only took the guns that she had. Turns out she has a bunch of guns in her house. And uh, she was one of these defund the... Was she actually one of these defund the police people? I think she was, always giving the cops a hard time. But she has guns, and you know what? On a scale of 1 to 10, she came out yesterday and she said, I feel 10 as far as safety goes. I feel about a 3. Yesterday, some creep was following me on the street. I had to grab a cop and uh, somebody else to help me. It was that bad. I, this has not happened to me since 1987. And this guy wanted to do me harm, I believe, and it was a very bad situation so uh, thank, I'm very thankful I got out of it, but I'm also thinking about getting out of it, quite frankly, maybe out of the city entirely. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, for a couple of reasons, I got to leave out some of the details. But yeah, I was followed for about a half a block by this big guy who definitely could have beaten me up in a fight. And first he gave me a really weird, crazy look. And he almost bumped into me, and I'm like, excuse me? And then he follows me. Well, I figure we're just going in the same direction. You know what I mean? And I I, I go to the right, and I turn my head around. You know how you don't want to look at somebody because you don't want to provoke them? I looked right at this guy. I was like, "Uh uh-oh. I knew there was something bad. He was thinking about doing something bad. 
and he followed me, and I said, okay, I'm going to make a turn into here because if he, if he comes this way, I know he's following me. And sure enough, he did. And there were two people standing by who helped me with the situation. I, I can't go into any more detail than that for a variety of reasons, but uh, it, it it's, <laughs> uh, made me very apprehensive. Uh, if only the guy were a little bit smaller, I would not have felt so apprehensive. I, although, no matter what they look like, no matter how skinny they are, or big they are, somebody gives you a weird look and starts following you around, that's trouble. That's real trouble. So, uh, gave me, um, yeah, made me wonder. Made me wonder about this city. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. It's, you know, you're tempting to think about. I'm not the only one, you know, tempting to think about. You know what it's more tempting to do, though? Run against Eric Adams for mayor. Here's the deal. I don't think any Democrat is going to take him on, uh, chiefly because of identity politics. Did you see him yesterday at uh, the World Trade Center, you know, hanging out with uh, Kamala Harris? This is the guy. He's starstruck. He is starstruck. He can't believe he's running in these circles now. And I saw him. He was, like, making small talk with some security aide. And then, oh, now it's time to talk to Kamala. He talked to Kamala Harris and that other weirdo, uh, Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, who always, who never blinks and always tells nightmare stories about white supremacists. Anyway, if Eric Adams secures the Democrat nomination, if he appears as though he's going to get it unopposed, I will have to seriously think about running against this uh, very unqualified individual for mayor, and I would do it as an independent, most likely. Why wouldn't you do it as a Republican? Well, there are some realities about New York that we have to confront, okay? And um, that's one of them, unfortunately. And I'll, hey, I'll be the first to tell you right now, I'm not, Rudy Giuliani? Rudy Giuliani was internationally famous for 10 years before he became mayor. Mike Bloomberg was worth how many billions of dollars? <laughs> How much money did he spend 21 years ago trying to become mayor successfully? Something like $80 million. He spent $80 million in, in $2,001. That's like $150 million today or $125 million. I don't have that kind of cash. And uh, I'm not internationally famous yet. So I'd have to do it without the Republican baggage. And yes, look, every party has baggage. Republican, yep. This is a highly Democrat city, all that stuff. But you could get, I could get on the ballot in a general election and take this incompetent fool out. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't care about anything. He just loves wearing those silly suits and going to those clubs. That's it. That's it. He does not know how to make the transition from politician who has no responsibilities to mayor who has a hell of a lot of responsibility. I would actually be able to make that transition rather seamlessly, and it wouldn't be as much of a transition because I actually have jobs that matter, that count, where I have bosses that I report to. Uh, I have metrics on which to base my success or failure on. What did he do as a Brooklyn Borough president? Nothing. Nothing. He ran for those offices, by the way, unopposed. Unopposed for that, unopposed for the state senate. And you don't do anything all day long other than uh, make an occasional speech and write letters and, you know, just complain about things. And that's all he knows how to do. So I will take a serious, serious look at it. I think I started this hour by 
sharing with you my, well, not, not shock, but just, wow, shaking my head, really? You really are going to do this? Pretending that January 6th is more significant than September 11th. I can count up the times that January 6th was mentioned on those morning shows, those big Sunday morning shows, and September 11th. January 6th. More discussion about January 6th than 9-11. And here we have Kamala Harris and her friends trying to make it, let's see here, uh, cut 18. As communities are literally on fire. We made the Cr- largest crime? investment to combat the climate crisis in history. You see, and you see, on- communities are suffering from crime. As far as communities being on fire, California wildfires and all that stuff, you guys have always had them and you probably always will. All right. Climate change. And you've got to look at these electric cars, these so-called electric cars. Oh, I bought a new car this weekend. It was uh, well, we're leasing it. A very enjoyable uh, process, quite frankly. It's not going to change my life. Happens to be a nice car. Um, but but so what? So what? I can't see living and breathing for a slightly above average vehicle. All right, you want to know what it is? It's a Mercedes, all right? Yes, it is. But not the highest end Mercedes, but it's nice. It's okay. So what? I was just as happy in a Honda Accord. My wife would not have it. Me and my precious Honda Accord. Never again. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, have you heard about that office holder in Las Vegas who um, allegedly killed a guy, killed a reporter? The public administrator for Clark County, Nevada, who happens to be a Democrat. He was elected in 2018. And um, being a public administrator of a county in Nevada is kind of like being a a county executive here in New York. It's a big job. A lot of people report to you. People want that job. It's competitive. And a guy named Robert Tellis won the job back in 2018. He was a little bit erratic at work. And um, a reporter by the name of Jeff German was writing a bunch of pretty nasty stories, but I think they were pretty much true. This guy was hooking up with people at work and doing all kinds of things. And anyway, um, Mr. Tellis, the public administrator, was so incensed that he confronted the reporter and allegedly stabbed the guy to death. And now he's in jail. But the funny thing is, all right, now he's a Democrat. And I, I went to his Twitter. OK, he's not he's not posting lately. He's in jail, but he's making fun of Ted Cruz. He's making fun of Trump. He's making fun of uh of Josh Hawley, he's putting down all these people. So have you noticed this story? It's a big one. I've seen it in the papers, and this is how they talk about it. Let's see here. Uh, notice what they don't say. Cut 48, please. It's an ugly story coming out of Las Vegas where a journalist was murdered and an elected official that journalist had been covering is now in custody. Tonight, the investigation into the killing of a longtime investigative reporter in Las Vegas is raising questions about a local elected official that he had written about. A local elected official. A public official. He's an elected official. How about party affiliation? And they didn't do it later in the story or anything like that. It was always local official. Elected. Well, the guy allegedly killed somebody, and they're not pointing out that it's a Democrat. 
Anytime you have a Republican do anything, they jump up and down about, oh, he's a Republican, he's a Republican, he's a friend of Trump. Remember Chris Collins, a Republican congressman from upstate New York, allegedly did some insider trading, and they went totally nuts. They could not stop. Again, this guy didn't kill anybody, okay? No one's even alleging that. Listen to the intensity of the coverage, and they don't let you forget where this guy's coming from politically. Cut 49. A powerful congressman arrested by the FBI. One of President Trump's first backers in Washington accused of a scheme involving big money, secret phone calls, and lying to the feds. The major arrest, the sitting congressman charged with insider trading. Prosecutors say he learned a drug for MS had failed during testing and that he then warned family and friends to dump the stock. GOP Representative Chris Collins of New York indicted on federal insider trading charges. I believe I acted properly and within the law at all times. Now, I got to admit, I never heard of Chris Collins before he got arrested. I never heard of, what's this guy's name? Robert Tellez the Democrat public administrator from Clark County, Nevada, before he was arrested. That doesn't matter. (laughs) In one case, the media tells you all about the dude being a Republican, and then the other one, far more serious, they totally omit the fact that the guy's a Democrat. Isn't that kind of wild? Isn't that kind of fun in a way? Look, this is all distraction. We have to remain focused on the key issues um, this midterm. Right. And what are they? Remember my little cool mnemonic device? Um, what is it again? What is that? Oh, uh, yes. Liberal plus chaos equals Biden. Liberal. He's a liar. I in liberal. He's incompetent. Um, B, we have no border. Right. Um, oh, and he's bizarre. He's totally bizarre. He does some weird, weird things. Um, he's a racist. He's angry. He's lazy. Uh, chaos stands for uh, C is for crime out of control. Hunter, we don't know what the hell's going on there. Afghanistan, never forget what they did and what they didn't do. Uh, the O is for obscene, obscenely treating our children, thrusting, forcing issues of gender and sexuality on six-year-olds. They shouldn't be having those discussions. The supply chain is all screwed up. I'm lucky I got the car, by the way. Uh, Biden, we have no border. We have inflation out of control. D, that's for um, disunity. He has completely ripped this country apart. You know, I found tape of him saying in 2019, back when he was desperate to appeal to liberals, the far left, no person who committed a nonviolent crime should be in jail. No person who committed a nonviolent crime should be in jail. Well, that's pretty much about two-thirds of the January Sixers. So many people are in jail, have gone to jail, who did not hurt anyone, who did not break anything. What did they do? They followed the leads of uh, Capitol Hill cops who said, right this way, come on in, no problem. So where is the where is the compassion? Where is his whole soul is in this? Joe, it's too late. Uh, you're not going to unify the country. I told you you should have done this on a inauguration day. Number one, call off the impeachment. Call off that phony impeachment of Donald Trump. Too late for that, obviously. Number two, call up big tech and get them to stop messing with conservatives. Do you know who Jack Posobiec is? He's an interesting guy. He's a conservative uh, provocateur sometimes. I like him. I follow him on Instagram and Twitter. You know what he did? He posted a picture of Donald Trump showing up at Wall Street in the days following 9-11. 
And it was like, look at Trump. He was there. And you can see dust is in the air, and it looks like kind of a, a rough situation. And it's flagged by Instagram. This photo is misleading and false, lacking proper context. Beware. Be warned. It's got a great big flag on it. Like, ooh. Now, you should stay. Big tech, stay the hell out of it. You hear? Stay the hell out of it. Uh, This is censorship. Well, wait a second. It's a private company, and they can do whatever they want. You know what? No. No, 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 no. They are too big now. Too big and too powerful. We've got to take that company from them. I really believe this. Antitrust, break it up, do something. There's a provision. There are laws about this. You can't have that much power concentrated into three 26-year-old punks. Right? Who's in charge of Facebook and Instagram? Facebook is obviously Zuckerberg. The other weirdo who runs Twitter. These guys are too woke, too left. They are censoring the entire game. You know, one of the reasons why Trump was able to win in 2016, Facebook ads, Facebook ads, not this Russia disinformation, good old fashioned digital advertising, good old fashioned. Well, it's been around now for a bit. Digital advertising. It works. Trump did it better than anybody else. And that's one of the many reasons why they have uh, come up with all these algorithms. It's one of the reasons why my videos, by the way, before the election, million views, two million views, no big deal. It was like a you know, oh, no problem. I was like, great, lots of exposure. Now it's 50,000, 100,000, 75,000. Um, they've messed with the algorithms because believe me, I'm better. I'm even better now than I was in 2020. I really, the content, I am so proud of it, quite frankly. I am so proud of the, the work we're doing, but it's censored. It's, uh, and I can't have that. You can't have that. It's like Thomas Edison. If he invented electricity, what if he only gave it to people he agreed with politically? What if Alexander Graham Bell said you can only talk on this telephone if you're voting for Democrats? That's the kind of stuff they're doing. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous to democracy in a real way, not that phony way. They talk about January 6th. No, not that way. A threat to democracy. We're a threat to democracy. Really, the nerve of those people. They are the ones utterly ruining this democracy. They are. You know it and I know it. And I think they know it too. Somehow they keep a straight face. Although Kamala Harris is always breaking up in laughter. Even during the 9-11 ceremony, I saw her cracking a smile. Look, it's not all... You know, a ceremony, there's some waiting around, there's some chit-chat. But even for that, she was a little bit too uh, a little bit too much. Douglas in Brooklyn, what's up? You're on the air. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, Greg. How you doing? Uh, I was driving around the city today, and... Oh, shoot, Douglas. Sounded like a great story you're going to tell us. Rob in Secaucus, what's up? I wanted you to know that the comment you made before was so funny when you said a string of polyphonies. I wonder if everybody knows what that means. Well, sometimes these jokes of mine are a little bit too inside. You know, if only you and me, Rob, are laughing, that doesn't make it much of a joke. But we're talking about the Honeymooner episode where Ralph thought it was he was going to be a big shot in uh, in uh, Hollywood because Herbert J. Whiteside was showing up at his uh, at the Raccoon Lodge. And uh, Norton messed up his lines, right? That's the episode. Did I get that right? 
That is correct. And I had one more thing I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. I, I spoke to you last week, and you said that you were going to research it on Google. And the the thing that in question was the mass formation psychosis. And oh, I that's you? That's no, I never got around to it. I uh, I never got around to it. You know, look, I told you I had to go to I had to get I got a new car this weekend. I had uh, errands around the house, chores, that kind of thing. Just give me the gist of it in 10 seconds, please. Yes, sir. Well, um, I, I, I wanted to tell you, don't Google it because. All right. Like I won't Google it. House. You give me the gist of it right now. OK, well, I believe that people, you know, we tune into conservative conservative news because we like to hear it. You and I and because it's true. But what we need to do is we need to reach the other side without them feeling as though they're being attacked. Okay. So they're usually pretty smart people, actually, which is odd. You know, the, how, how smart people could uh, could go for such stupid policy is, is confounding to people. But the same intelligence that they have should help them to be able to navigate through the concept of mass formation psychosis. They need to understand what's happening to them. And, and other people need to know what. All right, I still too. don't understand what it is, and I'm on your side. So what the hell is it? Go to uh, a rumble. You can't explain it. YouTube. You can't explain YouTube. it. Yes, I can. Um, it, it is a. It's almost like a viral thing that occurs psychologically to people, and it's being implemented by, you know, uh, those who have control of the bully pulpit. They, they, you know, they race bait. They, they do all kinds of things to keep people under their thumb, and people fall for it, and it's, it's, there's a, it'll, it's very difficult for me to explain in 10 seconds. How do you counteract it? How do you counteract what they're doing? I think that if the people who themselves are afflicted by it understand what it is, they will be better suited to see the right side of history, maybe once and for all. All right. You know, you remind me a little bit of my friend uh, Brandon Strzok. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a great guy. He he founded something called the Walk Away Campaign, Walk Away from the Democrat Party. This guy used to be as woke and hip and, uh, you know, into all that stuff. And then one day he saw people making fun of Donald Trump or criticizing Donald Trump for making fun of that reporter. Remember the reporter with cerebral palsy? And uh, Trump was, uh, you know, they portrayed him as mimicking him, like I don't remember. And he started moving his his hands and 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 and, and like neck in a funny way. Well, the the thing, and they're like, how dare Donald Trump do this to a man with cerebral palsy? How dare he? Well, the thing is, whenever Donald Trump is making fun of anybody, anybody who says I don't remember, <laughs> they might just say I don't remember. He does this whole physical act. You know, he does this whole thing. I don't remember. And he starts jerking around with his hands. He did it with uh, Rosie O'Donnell. He did it with, uh, I think, Oprah. He did it with all kinds of people from all walks of life who don't have cerebral palsy, but they deliberately lied about it or refused to tell you the whole truth context. So maybe that's a little bit what you're talking about. Brandon Strzok, check him out. I will look at that rumble thing hopefully soon. Thank you. Uh, all right. What else? Zeldin. We got to get Zeldin some support here. We got to get him some cash. All right. Cash money. He's got to buy those commercials, those digital ads. Uh, Facebook could still mess with it. But Kathy Hochul is vulnerable. She played this all wrong. You're supposed to in politics, kind of like sports, always play like you're behind, you know, and she was doing this uh, 
Albany Rose Garden strategy. You know, look at me. I'm the queen. Look at me. I'm the governor. Look at me. I'm the governor. Cutting ribbons and that kind of thing. And to for a little while there, it worked. It seemed to be working. But you can't fool uh, you can't fool New Yorkers. I think she's going to lose, and she's going to lose big. All right, and talk about a shock to the world. Is it time? It's time. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, one more thing about Kathy Hochul. New York State, New York City, what the hell do we have to do with January 6th? Did she really do this? Apparently, she is talking about January 6th in one of her silly political ads. Man, she's got a lot of money, but she's wasting it if she's trying to fool us with this. Cut 31, please. Cut 31. This is Lee Zeldin, the Republican nominee for governor. And on the day our Capitol was attacked, a day that led to the deaths of five brave police officers, Zeldin still voted to overturn the election. But that's not all. Zeldin celebrated Roe v. Wade being struck down and has supported abortion bans so cruel toward women, they include no exceptions for rape, incest, or the life of the mother. Because Lee Zeldin is extreme and dangerous. What about, where's the, where's the, I'm Kathy Hochul and I approve this message. I'm Kathy Hochul, and I approve this message. Well, um, do you think Lee Zeldin is a monster? Did you hear that crazy music in the background? Well, lie number one, five police officers. Five police officers killed on, on January 6th. Where's the Facebook warning about that? That's not true. The only person who died on January 6th, let's see here, Kathy Boyland and Ashley Babbitt. I'm sorry, but these suicides, and the more I hear about the suicides, the more suspicious I get, actually. Five police officers killed themselves in the aftermath because of the horror they saw on January 6th. I've looked through all the footage. I've seen a hell of a lot of it. I've been to actual war, all right? I've been to, I've seen an invasion happen. I've seen crazy stuff happen right in front of my face. I got through it. I don't believe them. I don't believe I don't. We do not have the whole story. No, 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 no. As far as abortion goes, you Kathy wants to scare everybody. Um, You know, number one, this is a free country. People do uh, have different differences of opinions on on abortion. But abortion is staying in in New York. It is. I may not like it or whatever, but uh, it is. It's not. It's been turned back to the states and it ain't going anywhere. It's just going to be here. There are other states. They had these trigger laws or whatever. There was a popular will to overturn um, abortion. We don't have that here in New York. And that's not what Lee Zeldin is campaigning on. What a horrible, treacherous woman with no respect for us trying to to spin us up like that. Hey, we haven't done this in a while. Uh, some baby talk. This is my little girl today, Annalise Kelly. Speaking during breakfast, looking out the window, I think she saw a bus and some other things, and we had a little talk about it. Go ahead. What do you want me to see? A balloon. Where's the balloon? I don't see a balloon. You see a bus? A bird? You see a bus? Oh, I see the bus. Well, yes, there's the bus. Santa truck. Hey, what color is the bus? Oh, gray. It's a gray bus. Look a little bit closer. What other colors is it? Look at it now. You see the bus? What color is it? Blue. Blue. All right. 
Any other observations? I want to get up. You want to get up now? I want to see a helicopter. You want to see a helicopter? Helicopter. What what color helicopter? A red helicopter. Okay. Pretty decent conversation. Um, all right. Now, that was a bit of a trick question for her because there was a big bus, but there was a gray truck in front of it. So she first she said gray, cause she, but then it uh, the, the, the truck stayed still and the bus moved. The, bu- the buses are blue now. It's pretty wild. She's two and a half. Although, I must say, kids grow at different rates. I know another two and a half year old. She looks, uh, she looks pensive and often forlorn, and she has her hands folded. I'm serious. She looks like she's t- t- thirteen years old, going into junior high school. I don't know. I think it's it varies genetics, whatever diet. I think Annalise Kelly is right where she's supposed to be. Her little sister there is uh, Madeline. She's making strides it seems faster than than Annalise but anyway it's all a very beautiful thing uh children growing up family all that stuff it's great and you know what time does go very very fast it starts to move real quick and um gotta be you know what I can't do anymore procrastinate you know you've heard me about my weight situation and my diet and I gotta clean this up I gotta clean that up uh I've decided well I'm no longer I just I'm doing things now. I'm doing things. I am not I'm not waiting for things to happen anymore. I just am getting them done and I love it. I love it. Hey, by the way, we never know where our friends or allies are going to co- uh, come from. Did you hear this guy? He stood up at a Miami school hearing where they're making drag queens, you know, the star of the grammar school, bringing them in to talk to kids, which is the weirdest most imbecilic thing I've ever seen. You never know where your allies are going to come from. This gay guy walks in, he announces he's gay, and then he says a lot of amazing things that make total sense. Cut 35. Good evening. Thank you, everyone, for this opportunity to speak tonight. I'm here today because I am concerned about the current and future state of our education system. I am a Miami native and a product of the MDCPS system. I'm also a gay man. And as a gay man, I understand the importance of a healthy and balanced education. I understand the importance in diversity of thought. And ultimately, I understand the importance of unbiased development. What is happening right now is no longer acceptance. It's no longer the support my community needed in the 90s and early 2000s. It's indoctrination. I do not use the word lightly, but it's the truth. The children deserve an education that will develop them, give them a platform for critical thinking and problem solving so that we can push and create a better future. What we are pushing right now is not that. We are moving in a direction that will create entitled, confused, depressed, and potentially dangerous adults. Providing support and being accepting is very different from promoting and encouraging a certain lifestyle. Growing up, I had people who supported me and loved me unconditionally. I also had people who disagreed with me and maybe disliked me because of my sexuality. Not only was that okay, but it was vital to my development. Not only I learned how to interact and find common ground with anyone and everyone, I learned that it's okay not to agree on everything. Legislation and policies do not encourage positive change. People do. If you feel LGBT youth need more support, support them yourself as an individual. 
There are plenty of private organizations that provide youth with things like counseling. Please, please, let's, let's, let's not applause. Thank you. Counseling, community, and financial help are available to LGBT youth. Hey, this guy was great. And, you know, it comes from a, an interesting site, Gays Against Groomers. What's happening right now nationally, and I think Joe Biden seems to like it, is grooming, getting children ready for, uh, you know what, later. Bad, bad stuff. And good people don't like it, and they're speaking out. I love it. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. I saw some... Check, check. Uh, some young men over the weekend enjoying some marijuana uh, on the street. Actually, I saw this multiple times, but I'm thinking about this one particular moment, uh, 52nd Street and 2nd Avenue. About three or four of them just hanging around, uh, enjoying marijuana. And, uh, you know, in the old days, uh, 20 minutes ago, we would be surreptitious about consuming Marijuana, right? You would hide. You would do it in the back of the car or on a roof or in somebody's basement. You you would not do it in plain sight. Not at 1 o'clock in the afternoon or worse, I saw some others at about 10 in the morning just getting high. It's almost like a cigarette. It's like a cigarette used to be. It's that casual. One thing I don't think you can feel when you're smoking marijuana is shame or regret. Somehow everything's just beautiful when you're high, right? Everything is just great. You never made a bad decision in your life, right? No, no, no. It's uh, it's euphoric. It's Everything's wonderful, right? Of course, not everything is wonderful. It is an artificial mask of all the real problems you and I have, and it's everywhere. And I, I saw some, let's see here, these are the buddies of the uh, alleged mass murderer, Ezekiel Kelly, that's his name, Ezekiel Kelly, from Memphis. Did you hear about this case? He uh, he shot up, allegedly, four different people all over town, a career criminal, although he's only 20 years old, so uh, not much of a career under his belt, but he got busy very, very early, very, very young. Now, his friends have some observations about what might have been on Ezekiel Kelly's mind. And his friends are driving around Memphis, uh, also smoking marijuana, what appears to be marijuana. Can I really tell it's marijuana? No. Maybe it's crack. I don't know. It's a small little uh, brownish rolled cigarette. Now, could that be uh, a fine grain tobacco? Sure. I don't think it is. I think it's some sort of mind-altering drug. And their minds certainly are altered. Now, it's a little bit tough to make out what it is they're saying, but they seem to be saying that Ezekiel Kelly had an issue with white people and that issues with white people are well-founded and justified. Cut 39, please. Oh, God, my white, they might both knock on white black people. Then, then they finna be, they finna be marching on the river saying white lives matter. Y'all y'all see white folks finna hate black people. I'm saying, oh, here goes Zemo on number white people. I get in the white hole side of me, don't get popped tonight. Oh, he already shot a white old man. I'm going to shoot a white old lady. Oh, yeah. Wild grandkids in the car. So here's a some advice to anybody, by the way. If you're making videos and posting them online, 
If you're not like a Kim Kardashian famous and you make a lot of money doing it, don't do it. Just don't do it. It's not really worth it. You probably have nothing of value to say. If you were, if it was a value, you'd get be getting paid for it. Uh, I really think one should refrain from their casual musings into a camera on social. Don't you think? Because uh, a lot of folks, uh, well, they incriminate themselves like that. Or maybe they just incriminate all of society. I could not really figure out what it was. I listened to it three times. We put up semi-translation. But basically, he seems quite blasé with his buddy Ezekiel Kelly uh, killing people because those people made the mistake of being white. And that's somehow a problem. And it's especially a problem with this individual to say white lives matter. That is an extremely provocative statement. And in today's culture, it actually is. There are people who have gotten themselves fired for saying all lives matter. There was. There was a sportscaster in Sacramento who said on social media, all lives matter. And what team, what basketball team is out there? The Sacramento Kings? Some players on that did not like that. Did not pick up what he was putting down. And he got fired. Hey, you know anything about that? You're the sports guy, right? You No. Okay, never mind. Hey, Sandra's standing by. You've been on the phone for a long time. I hate putting you on hold for this long. Hello, Sandra. Hey, how you doing, Greg? Um, you know, I want to, you know, I'm very sad about the Queen. I'm very, very sad about 9-11. But I wanted to tell you my blood has been boiling with Fetterman's comments about Dr. Oz having a mansion. Now, look, first of all, Queen Elizabeth, she has a mansion. Uh, Nancy Pelosi has another mansion in Florida. It's like $25 million. All right, maybe we'll call that a mansion. But what Dr. Oz has, I remember when my daughter was at Dwight Englewood School, he had a home on that block. It was appropriate for what he does. It was not, it was like all the other houses, nothing spectacular. It was nice. So, look, this man worked very hard. His parents, as you know, came from Turkey. They put him through school. He earned everything that he has, and he well deserves it. And he used to do lectures at Twite, you know, for the students. He used to give lectures there, and he put his son in medical school. So I wanted to say I resent Betterman throwing around that word mansion because, like I said, Nancy Pelosi has a mansion, uh, but that's that was one thing I wanted to say. Well, the don't worry about I it. It's not going to work. It's not. Fetterman can say that all he wants. You know what, America? We're smarter than that. All right, people are. Uh, they tried to do that against uh, Donald Trump. Oh, he has a penthouse on Fifth Avenue. How dare you? You know what they like? They like authentic people. All right, Americans don't. They, and, and and Fetterman, we all know, is a damn phony. His parents, he's a rich kid. They're buying him lofts here, there, and everywhere. Buying him stuff, subsidizing him. Uh, he's 50-something years old, still getting $50,000 checks from his parents. Fetterman has huge problems, by the way. He's, uh, well, let's face it, he's not recovered from that stroke. So I think he's, uh, Dr. Roz is looking great. Uh, I, I love that guy, and uh, I think he's going to do it. Fetterman is is lost, is lost. And I think it's partially because he's on so much weed and drugs. His brain is definitely fried, definitely checked out. And I think uh, the stroke only made matters worse. Uh, then again, I haven't examined him. Speaking of your brother, you know, he's always, he, your brother's fired up a lot lately. 
Well, let me tell. I just want to tell you one more thing that I did based on your recommendation. You remember you said that we should make like a hundred calls to help the, this whole thing. Yeah. So I thought about it, and I was watching your show last week one night, and you had a picture of Philadelphia. What a mess it is now. When I lived in Philadelphia, my career was that of an executive recruiter in accounting and finance. And I did business with this friend, and I'm going to tell you what I did. I used to send her the best people, and I used to get exclusives because I was very careful about what I sent to Susan. And then she would hire these candidates. So Susan is not a she's not a Republican. She's we you know she's she doesn't think the way I do anymore. But that's okay. All right. But I did what you said. I called. I texted her, and I said you know I told her you ought to not vote for Fetterman. You how could you not? You should vote for us. But then I said a good thing. I sent her the picture. And then I said, Susan, if I ever sent you Fetterman for an interview, you know, like instead of Oz, you would never, you would never give me business again. And and she said, you know, you're right, Sandy. I got a lot to think about. So I I showed her like that, huh. like we used to do. How do you like it? Wasn't that? I fun? love it. I love it. What a great way. I mean, you're right. Fetterman comes in there, all big and hulking with that silly sweatshirt on, you know, and talking gibberish. And, you know, what did you do for the past 30 years? He doesn't have much of an answer. And and, and anyway, that's a, that's a great point. I'm glad you made the call. Best to your brother, by the way. He's a hero. He is a hero. Very, very passionate, but we like that. Thank you, Sandra. Uh, let's see here. Ooh, that reminds me. Joe Biden. Uh, <laughs> uh, remember when he used to be Mr. Normalcy? He was a regular guy who could get things done. Cut 32. The aisle to reach consensus to help make government work in the past. That was the kind of guy he was going to be. That was the kind of president, just a regular guy. And he was going to return things to normal, right? He was going to bring things back to pre Trump. And let's face it, Trump is a pretty uh, different kind of guy, different kind of president. I love it. It's not everybody's taste, but uh, some people wanted to return to the boring presidency. Remember people like this? Cut 33. The best way that we could have a non-divisive presidency is to have one that's kind of boring. Politics, in my view, ought to be boring. It shouldn't be something you have to pay attention to every minute of every day. And I think that's how Biden has approached the job. Uh, really? That's Tom Nichols, by the way, noted Trump hater and liberal. And then Biden gets in there and out of the blue, he starts talking like this. Cut 34. All transgender Americans watching at home, transgender young people, you're so brave. I want you to know your president has your back. To everyone celebrating Transgender Day of Visibility, I want you to know that your president sees you and know this. You're so brave. You belong. And we have your back. I said last year, especially to our younger transgender Americans, I'll always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your God-given potential. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Transgender Awareness Day. I didn't, uh, I didn't vote for that. Did you? Who made up? That's like National Donut Day. It's a phony holiday. It doesn't mean anything. Transgender Awareness Day, and he's always got your back. Well, that means this Title IX expand. This means that people who identify children who are told you don't identify as a boy, you identify as a girl. 
so the boy can use the girl's room. This is what it comes down to. This is what federal policy is right now. Leah Thomas, man, swimming on the girls' team. That is federal policy. And this guy was supposed to be Mr. Everything is going to go back to normal. (laughs) Donald Trump is the one that will bring us back to normal, setting the conditions where we can truly be great again. He can do it. We can do it. Right now, though, it feels like it's about survival. It really is. You know, Joe Biden used to say four more years of Donald Trump. I don't know if the soul of America can make it. Now, he was lying. He was uh, he was wrong. And and he came right out of the gate with the Charlottesville lie. After Donald Trump said there are good people on both sides, I knew at that moment that uh, the very soul of our nation was at stake. Well, he totally mischaracterized what Donald Trump said. But right now, actually. If Joe Biden or some like-minded Democrat should be elected in 2024, talk about America, the soul of America. What will America be? How do we look around and say, yes, more of this? Is he going to be able to buy enough votes between now and then? How much How much money can you give away? How much money is there? It's so amazing to me that this uh, $10 trillion, no, I'm sorry, half-trillion-dollar giveaway to uh, – 20-somethings for the student loan, basically it was a day-and-a-half story. It's over. It's over. It's it's just done. Executive order. That's it. That's it. Now it's back to January 6th and that stuff. That is, that is, they think it's done. It makes a real impression on real people, and they're going to vote accordingly, I am convinced. Give me a moment. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, whatever happened to never forget, never forget September 11, 2001. We would never forget, right? We could never forget. We could never forget. The New York Times has forgotten. And they have forgotten in the most disgraceful way. Not one mention on the September 11th front page of the horrible attacks of 21 years ago, not one, but a major borderline anti-Semitic story about private Jewish schools. I mean, the most negative slant ever. You want to raise questions about how money is spent that is legally granted private schools? Fine. But to do it in the manner in which they did, which I find anti-Semitic. Well, wait a second. They found two Jewish reporters. Well, guess what? Wouldn't it be the first time? I don't know who these people are, but, uh, well, let me put it to you this way. I know Jews from overseas. Well, my, I, you know, I should have my wife come here. She's Jewish, and she was born in Australia, and she is befuddled by, she's befuddled by a lot of things <laughs> on this matter, and uh, I'll have her speak to this. Uh, a little bit later or tomorrow, but 
How can there be no mention of September 11, 2001? Never forget. Even Joe Biden says uh, we're never going to forget, right? Wasn't that his message yesterday? Yeah, actually. Cut 15. 21 years ago. 21 years and we still kept our promise. Never forget. We'll keep the memory of all those precious lives stolen from, from us. 2,977 at Ground Zero in New York and Shanksville, where my wife is speaking now in Pennsylvania. 184 of them here at the Pentagon. And I know for all those of you who've lost someone, 21 years is both a lifetime and no time at all. Hmm. Okay. That's um, adequate, I guess. Kind of. We won't forget how you got out of Afghanistan. I won't forget that. And we're back to where we started from in Afghanistan. Taliban and the ISIS are in charge. I'm hearing from more and more generals, by the way, come forward and saying that uh, we told Joe Biden we had to leave some residual force in Afghanistan. But Joe knew better. Why? Because, uh, well, his son, Bo Biden, his son, Bo, uh, served in the military. And that's why he would not listen to generals. He would not listen to people who knew more. Um, And speaking of uh, generals, let's see. Here's General Milley, Mark Milley, yesterday uh, at the Pentagon. I am really surprised this guy still gets to wear a uniform. Cut 55. Terror will never destroy us. Destroy the idea that is America. The idea that we are all Americans, regardless of where we came from, what our last name is, regardless of the color of our skin or the religion we follow. doesn't matter if we're male or female. None of that matters. We are all Americans. And it was an attack on all of us. Okay, that's nice. But it's not the way he leads the military, not by a long shot. It's not the way he advises the president, not by a long shot. General Milley did everything he could in his power to undermine President Trump engaged in what I believe is downright treasonous behavior for which he can and should and might be court-martialed. And one of the things that he did that was uh, so outlandish, just appearing with the president momentarily before he got to that church. Remember the church where President Trump so outrageously held up a holy Bible in front of the church and everybody lost their minds? Well, what was he doing there with a Bible. He should have had a Black Lives Matter flag. He should have been burning the American flag, but a Bible? And Millie went on and on apologizing. I shouldn't have been there. It was a mistake. Oh, I'm sorry. In that same speech, Mr. Uh, We're All Americans said this, cut 56. As many of you saw the result of the photograph of me at Lafayette Square last week, that sparked a national debate about the role of the military in civil society. I should not have been there. My presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of the military involved in domestic politics. As a commissioned uniformed officer, it was a mistake that I have learned from, and I sincerely hope we all can learn from it. We who wear the cloth of our nation come from the people of our nation, and we must hold dear the principle of an apolitical military that is so deeply rooted in the very essence of our republic. All right. Now, do me a favor, Rich. Recut this and get the part where he says you have to look out 
for people who don't look like you and mentor them. He goes on and on and on. You know, the uniform, right? The uniform is what binds us. But then he goes on and says, it's not the uniform. It's what you look like. It's what you look like. It's whether you're black or white. That's what matters in the military. That's what matters in the military, according to Mark Milley and our and our woke Pentagon, which I'm sorry. Do you think that would they be doing these things? You know, there was a great movie called Manchurian Candidate, the Manchurian Candidate. And uh, Senator Iceland is going to be nominated for the vice presidency. And Senator Jordan comes forward and says, if that happens, I will bring your husband up on impeachment charges. Because in my view, your husband could not be doing more damage to this country, even if he were a paid agent of the Soviet Union. That's sometimes how I feel about this regime, if you will. Doing everything they can to undermine. And by the way, what is up with China? China and their ties to Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Why don't I see Hunter Biden on every channel? Is that just over? We're hyperventilating about a president of the United States having classified documents, which, oh, by the way, were declassified, which, oh, by the way, he had every right to. There's a rumor going around that he was going to be indicted today. President Trump. I think it's a trial balloon. They want to look. There are very connected people. Ty Cobb, that lawyer. Remember, he worked for Trump for a little bit of time. He's saying he believes that Donald Trump is going to be indicted. What is going to happen if that happens? I fear it's going to be what Lindsey Graham says. There will be rioting. There very well could be rioting. They, I pray they don't go there. I really do. For the good of this country, for the good of their soul, you can't do that. Stop messing with this guy. And the more you fight him, the stronger he gets, which I personally love. But I know that's I know that's contrary to your goal okay lay off the guy hey when is this funeral going to be over it's uh day two of 12 be right back greg kelly entertaining and informative on the red apple podcast network you know when when joe biden or uh, mayor adams or um some political figure does something i'll consume it i'll watch it and I'll wait about three seconds to respond. I can do that because, well, I uh, I know who I am. I know what I stand for. I have a sense of history. I have um, an understanding of the broader context. And um, I, I want to jump in the fray. I want to get my views out there. So when Joe Biden delivered that horrendously divisive, unprofessional, unpatriotic speech about a week and a half ago from Philadelphia, remember, fascists and MAGA Republicans are the enemy of the state. Ugly, ugly, ugly stuff. And before that red wall and making the Marines stand for, I mean, it was hideous. And I said so as soon as I was, I was on a plane. I started tweeting like a madman. I was so upset. I really was. A very bad speech. Very bad guy. Opposite of what he said he would be or do. So... I put it out there and, you know, what, half, a third, two thirds, whatever, disagree. Who cares? I mean, I don't care about the criticism. It's like, uh, who's that? uh, Who's that guy from Greece? Aristotle or Socrates? One of those guys said the only way to have no enemies 
the only way to avoid criticism is to say nothing and do nothing and be nothing, okay? That's the number one formula, be nothing, and nobody will ever pick on you. No one will ever have a problem with anything because you're not doing anything, all right? So anyway, I shoot my mouth off, maybe too much, but whatever. Mike Pence, the vice president, former vice president of the United States, given the chance of a million lifetimes to be vice president under Donald Trump. And uh, he's the most cautious guy I've ever seen. And I think, quite frankly, he's very weak. Being cautious is sometimes an admirable trait. But being weak, no, that's never admirable. Certainly not in a political leader. He is weak. He is weak. Wooden, weird mannequin, Mike Pence. So what does he do? He sees that speech, and he waits a day. Then he waits another day, and then he waits a couple of more days, and he waits until it's good and safe. All right? Now he knows what everybody's saying. He knows what people like me are saying. He knows what Donald Trump said. He knows what the New York Times said. He knows who applauded the speech, who ripped the speech apart. All right? So he gets a real good sense of what's going on. And then... He weighs in. Now, how long is that? One week later. One week later, Mike Pence. Mike Pence has something to say. Let's see. What did he say? It was so. Never before in the history of our nation has a president stood before the American people and accused millions of his own countrymen of being a threat to his country. To top it off, President Biden had the audacity to claim, I'm asking our nation to come together, to unite. Well, Mr. President, I've got some good news. Oh, here's Mike Pence being a bit of a wiseacre. The American people will come together in 2022 and 2024 and will be more unified than ever before. And we will save this country from Joe Biden and the radical left. Okay, fine. If you did it two seconds after the speech, I might have been satisfied. You waited seven days. Well, Mike, not impressed. Not impressed at all. He always wants to see which way the wind is blowing before he takes a stance. Seven days. Seven days later. That's what he does, by the way. This is this is classic Mike Pence. Classic Mike Pence. Do you remember before January 6th? On January 4th, he did a great big fake out. He wanted to be all things to all people. So January 6th was coming. A lot of us believed on the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Mike Pence had... All kinds of authority and may have been not to overturn the election, but at least to send those electoral votes back to Harrisburg, back to Atlanta, back to Madison, Wisconsin, have them sorted out, make sure it's all on the up and up. And we now know that it wasn't all on the up and up, certainly in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. Those ballot boxes were illegal in Wisconsin, absolutely 100 percent illegal. But Mike Pence wanted to have it both ways. Let me hear Mike Pence from uh, January 4th, 2021. You know, I know we all, we all got our doubts about the last election. And I want to assure you, I share the concerns of millions of Americans about voting irregularities. And I promise you, come this Wednesday, we'll have our day in Congress. You cut it off there? <laughs> okay. <laughs> We'll, we'll have our day in Congress. We'll hear the objections. But that was the whole thing. It was a fake out. 
and listening closely as I was at the time, I knew, all right, January, that's it, that's it, one and done. We'll have our day in Congress. He was jerking us around. Hey, the king is uh, showing up at the majority of the queen's personal wealth expected to go to King Charles III. Imagine that. He's giving it all, she's giving it all to uh, the firstborn son. Makes some degree of sense. Hey, I like the queen and all, but how is it that she has all that money? Isn't it like the UK's money? Isn't it, isn't it Britain's money? I mean, they're subsidized, right? Isn't it their money? How is it? I've always wondered this. How is it that she's considered a wealthy person? I mean, she's an employee, a public employee. I guess it, they can, their family roots go back, what, a thousand years, 1500 years? So is it all that money that just compound interest over the years? It could be that. I have a feeling it might be that. Talk about, I wonder what it's like. Hey, remember this about the queen. She's a woman of faith and spoke about it very boldly. Cut 52. For his family's tree, he chose an angel, helping to remind us that the focus of the Christmas story is on one particular family. For Joseph and Mary, the circumstances of Jesus' birth in a stable were far from ideal. But worse was to come as the family was forced to flee the country. It is no surprise that such a human story still captures our imagination and continues to inspire all of us who are Christians the world over. Despite being displaced and persecuted throughout his short life, Christ's unchanging message was not one of revenge or violence, but simply that we should love one another. Although it is not an easy message to follow, we shouldn't be discouraged. Rather, it inspires us to try harder, to be thankful for the people who bring love and happiness into our own lives, and to look for ways of spreading that love to others whenever and wherever we can. Very beautiful. Very beautiful indeed. I like that queen a lot, speaking like that. Now, if we were having a conversation, I would have to say, uh, I think the message uh, was a bit more complicated than that. Yes, that was a huge part of it. But there was also some other things going on, listening to God, obeying God, trusting God. Um, and it's not just, it's not all about love. It's love is the key ingredient to be sure. Hey, I'm looking at TV right now. And so it was 25 years ago right now that the Abner Luima situation was uh, bubbling up here in New York. Remember that? Abner Luima, the Haitian immigrant who was uh, horrifically abused inside that precinct house in Brooklyn. I don't remember what happened. It was something, there was a party going on and he was there and one of the cops thought he hit him and uh, they brought him back to the station house and unbelievably brutalized him with a stick. Horrible event. I was not living in New York at the time. I was in, uh, where was I? I was in Arizona and it was national news. Big, 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 big case. And federal charges brought against uh, the cops. And I think one of them, yep, one of them is still in jail. And let's see here. His name is Justin Volpe. V-O-L-P-E. Wow. 25 years. He is, uh, he's still in jail. He's 50 years old now. And, Did he enter a plea? I think ultimately he pleaded guilty. 
I think he entered a plea. I don't think he was found guilty. He might have entered a plea. 25 years. He's getting out of jail in a little over two years. Wow. It's coming up to an end. Is that a just sentence, by the way? That's a long time. And, I mean, what happened to Abner Louim was awful, horrible. He is alive, and he got a massive settlement from the city. He is a multi-multi-millionaire if he handled his money well. Uh, Justin Volpe definitely committed a crime. I am not disputing that. But, man, 20, is it 20? It's 25 years later. Look, there have been murderers who have gotten out who have committed murder, done time in jail, and gotten out while Justin Volpe is still in jail. That's a long time. Now, he had some partners with him who I think also went to jail, but much, much reduced sentences. And uh, Who remembers Abner Louima? I remember. I met him once, actually. I met him once because he endorsed Alan Hevesy. Remember Alan Hevesy, the guy who was the New York City controller and the state controller? He ran for mayor. And they had a joint press conference together, and for whatever reason, Abner Louima endorsed Alan Hevesy. I always thought it was a very strange alliance. It just didn't quite make sense. And Abner Louima was living in Florida and came up to uh, New York to endorse Alan Hevesy. And it was very awkward. And Alan, you know, Abner Louima didn't want to say that much. And Hevesy is standing there. It's like, well, Abner, would you like to say anything about, uh, you know, what happened to you and, and why you're supporting my campaign? And Abner would say some things. And anyway, uh, 25 years ago. Huh. Hey, do me a favor here. What's going on with Larry in Brooklyn? Yes. Yeah. Hi, Greg. How are you? Fine. Um, listen, you know, you mentioned two things in a row, and I don't believe in coincidences. And they struck a chord to me. I had to respond. You mentioned you were talking about Millie, and then you right went you went right on to the uh, laptop to Biden's laptop. Now I have believed for quite a while already, based upon something that Giuliani said, that uh, Barr uh, William Barr made a phone call in January 2020 to Christopher Ray about the laptop, and he never pursued it again. I I was always of the belief that Barr and Millie were both threatened. Now you can ask me for proof. I don't have proof, okay? But you got to understand something. If you're going to go on proof with everything. You wait, hold on, hold on. That's fine. Closed. Wait, 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 wait. But on your theory, Barr and Millie were threatened by whom? <clears throat> Barr and Millie were threatened by the, by, by by the people that were behind Biden that corrupted the election. And uh, um, it, when 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 Millie walked on uh, right after he walked with Trump with that Bible, he was he was threatened. And uh, Barr was subsequently threatened too, because you got to know who to threaten. If you look at Millie, you look at his eyes. He's, he doesn't look like he sleeps at, sleeps at night, and he looks totally scared out of his mind. He's a military man, and he looks like a like like he co- was completely uh, upended. And William Barr is he's a regular guy. He lives in Westchester. I think he's Jewish. He has a family. I mean, he's got tentacles all over the place with his kids. Going I don't to think he lives in. Uh, I don't think he lives in. Our, I think he lives in the swamp. I think he lives in Washington. Hey, wait, stay with me on this. And you're, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but with Millie, I don't think I don't see fear with these guys. I don't think they were threatened. I think they joined up willingly. Now, here's Millie talking about diversity and cr- all kinds of crap that we really should not be consumed with in the military. This is right after he apologized for appearing with the commander-in-chief. And then he goes on with this woke nonsense. Listen to this. 
We must take advantage of the diversity committees, the councils, and the offices in each of the services to identify best practices in talent management and act on them. Mentorship also plays a vital role. All of us in the military must engage in more meaningful mentoring today. So how do you do that? As senior leaders, we reach down into the pool of rising stars among our troops from all walks of life and put into action what you've learned in your career. None of us got to where we are by ourselves. We all have had a helping hand. Take an active interest in providing the next generation of leaders the tools they need to succeed. And be inclusive. Make a commitment to seek out and surround yourself with those who don't look like you, think like you, and who come from different backgrounds. Specifically, reach out to junior officers and enlisted members whose background is different than yours and, and mentor them. Oh, brother. See, this is the problem I have. You know, I was in the military. You know how precious, how rare mentorship was even in the military? What's supposed to bond us is the uniform, is the experience. It doesn't matter where we come from, what we look like, what our name. We already kind of know that. But for him to say, seek out people who don't look like you. Well, I guess General Milley, you know, if we crossed paths while I was on active duty, it would have nothing to say to me because I'm white. You know, I get I've already seen this in the private sector. All kinds of people are falling all over themselves trying to mentor people of color or vice versa or, or, or people of color mentoring other people of color. I, what about humans mentoring, working, sharing with humans when you put this? To, and there's something about this guy, the look in his eye. You say it's fear. I say it's complicity, Larry. I mean, we're, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, but in a different way. There's something complicit, willing about Millie and Barr. What do you think? Well, can I say something about Barr? And have you listened to the double, the, the nonsensical double talk he gave recently about about the possibility of Trump being indicted? He said, "I don't want him to be indicted because the public might not understand the seriousness of the allegations. Seriousness, uh, keeping documents. Uh, nobody's ever been prosecuted as president of the Espionage Act. What do you mean seriousness?" He, he was the president of the United States. He could have possibly declassified it and may not be criminal. Criminal, and may, You may not may be able to criminalize and it. And remember, remember, Barr is supposed to be one of these mainstream Republicans who says we should be talking about the issues, not Trump, right? Here he is all the time on mainstream media. What's he talking about? Trump. Not talking about crime, not talking about the border, you know, not talking about a lot of things that former attorney generals could be talking about. But just talking about Trump, and he wants to get Trump, and that's why. Thanks, Larry. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, The one and only America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, just walked into the studio. Uh, Great to see you, sir. How are you? Great, Greg. Terrific. You know, there's a rumor going around that Donald Trump was going to be indicted. He flew to Washington, D.C., uh, rather suddenly, um, all kinds of people on Twitter, whatever, saying, oh, he's going to be indicted. I even heard Ty Cobb, the lawyer, say, yeah, he could be indicted um, very soon. What's going on? Well, first of all, they if they indict him, they're going to do it on a shoestring. They haven't put the case together. I can tell. Will they eventually indict him? Uh, probably. But they're, they have not. They just subpoenaed. The, they haven't even gone through the records yet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, if this were a normal case... You'd figure, and they're headed for indictment. You'd figure about two, three months before an indictment, bare minimum. What do we do? How do we prepare? I mean, if they are so stupid, if they are so corrupt, if they are so 
disrespectful of our country and our norms, if they go ahead and indict President Trump, what are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to be peaceful. We, I know that. I know that. I know, in, yeah, but in, in, I, in think, addition. I, I think we have to we have to take the risk at uh, rallies and protests peaceful. And and it make, goes without saying we're going to be peaceful, but at the same time, do we start prepare? And we I, have I, I don't to, know. And then I think we have to organize in a way we've never organized before. We're going to have to ask people of re- regular means to put in a. We'll have to raise more money from moderate. Moderate people in terms of uh, income than we've ever raised before. We're going to have to put together an organization that is foolproof. We're going to have to forget our differences and organize. And I think we're going to have to elect them. We're going to have to elect them uh, to say, <laughs> yeah, you're going, to, you're going to prosecute them? We're going to elect them. <laughs> and I, I think we will elect them. There's, there's a huge chunk of the country who will be fired up and they will be outraged and I, I, they'll feel it in their bones that this is dishonest and wrong. There will be another part of the country who will just oh, – us you know, suspicions confirmed all over again. He must be stopped. They wouldn't be doing this. We will know that this is evidence of corruption by the left. We Absolutely. will know that. And it will be a stupid charge, Greg. I, I guarantee you it will be a charge – well, I call, you know, investigate to make up a ch- like like um, even dumber than Russian collusion. Russian collusion was not only false, it's kind of a dumb charge. There's no such thing as collusion, it's conspiracy. Yeah. But in any event, this will be this will be like like the conversation with the with the uh, Ukrainian president. They tried to make that into a charge. Uh, the fact that he has a couple of documents that they say are classified that he says he declassified and nothing happened to them. There was no prejudice with these documents. Well, remember, nope. now they're having their assessment. They want to see what 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 net damage happened to national security, which is a joke, by the way. That is right, a- absolute joke. They never got out of. They, there's no evidence they ever got out of Mar-a-Lago. Hey, do me a favor, Mr. Mayor. Tommy has been waiting for a long time. He's from Astoria. You want to say something about Ashley Babbitt? Yes, sir. Love the show. How you doing, Mayor? I'm doing fine. Um, my question, Greg, I know you talk about Ashley Babbitt all the time, and I do as well. Um, when Pence gavels in after he asked the question, do you have a senator to sign off on this? What's the timeline of the gaveling and Ashley getting shot? Uh, I don't know. It's That happened sometime before she was shot, right? I don't know. That's Why a good do you question. ask? Yeah, it's I, a good, I don't, I don't, I don't I know don't, either, and I've studied that quite a bit. Uh, at that point, I do believe that that happened before Ashley was shot. I do believe that Ashley was shot not to stop the counting of electoral votes, but to stop the objections. Yeah. That's what happened. I, I, I have a slightly different theory. What? I think she was shot to brand it as a Trump, as a Trump event. Because there, there were a lot of there were a lot of Antifa people in there, according to Sullivan's brother, two hundred and forty. John Sullivan, yeah. According yeah. to John Sullivan's brother, two days later, text that we have, two hundred and fifty plus Antifa people in there. Suppose one of them got shot, right? It'd have been branded as an Antifa riot. Uh, I think I think this was done for branding. It was this was done to make sure they got a MAGA person, and that became the headline. Tommy, what do you think? I know you've done a lot of work on this. I, I would just be curious to know how close in, in time Interesting. That, that, those, that those two events took place. And then my next question is, he gaveled it in. 
why did they not proceed? Why did they just stop the whole process? No, they actually did. I think they adjourned for uh, mm-hmm. two hours and they had that discussion. They actually did, or they heard the other ones. That that process actually unfolded. They did hear uh, the objections and they, they, they debated, right? One set of objections was one debated. Set. Right, right. So just one two-hour session. I think that's right. It, it, may, it might not have been a complete two hours, but and it was... A- under the Electoral Count Act of 1887, a lot of us believe that there was far more flexibility that Mike Pence had. Yes. Do you, do you know that uh, uh, Democratic scholars uh, were almost uniformly convinced that it was unconstitutional in 2000, that that law is unconstitutional? I can give you five reasons why. But it's a uh, – from the what, day – what, what law is unconstitutional? The, the, uh, the Electoral Count Act. Of 1887. Yeah. That for, they said it for, was. Yeah, for five reasons that have been have been there from the very, very beginning. It gives the Senate a role in selecting the president, which the Constitution doesn't do. It ignores the role of the state legislature. But we like the electoral count of 1887. What we do and we don't. We wanted to go back to the state legislature. All right. We'll be back tonight at 10 o'clock. Rudy, Make you sure you listen to it. Okay. <laughs>